Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm so excited that you're joining me today. In this special episode, I am actually releasing one of my group coaching calls because I think you need to know about it. I think you need to see my coaching style. I think you need to know the information that's in here. And I think it's just good, you know, like foam, free, open access medicine, except this is coaching. So it would be folk, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, so stick around, listen to our conversation that I have and get you a little coaching. See if you like how this flows and maybe you'll get the ideas flowing that you need to be in the next group. All right, here we go. Be happy now. Finding your joy and purpose as a female physician. I was so excited to get this little caricature of myself made. My graphic artist, she's amazing. And so she's like, you got to put it on there. And I was like, okay, thanks. So I am so glad for all of you to be joining with me. We kind of started intros a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about myself, and then I'll take a few brave uh, volunteers to tell me more about yourself. So I'm Erin Wiseman. I'm a family medicine board of physician in southern Indiana who unfortunately found herself extremely burned out in about 2014 to the point that I was leaving medicine. I was on the internet Googling, how do I turn my CV to a resume? Because I didn't know how to do it, but I knew I kind of needed to do it if I was going to get out of medicine. And what I found through there was I wasn't alone. So many people were feeling the exact same way that I was, They just didn't know how to get themselves out of it. So over the last five to six years, that's exactly what I have been working to do is to help female physicians who were in the same spot that I was, which I would describe as the bottom of the pit. And I found the basement to it. That's how bad it was for me. Helping us move from that place to a place of joy and sustainability and fulfillment and to being able to generally say, I love my job because at that point, there was no way that I could say that. I loathed my job. And so that's a little bit about me. Anybody else want to share who you are, where you are, and if you get real brave with bonus points, why you're here today? I'll go. I never volunteer, but I'll do it because I'm super excited about this to the point where it was like, I can't skip this today. Like whatever else is going on, I have to do this. So I'm a surgeon been in practice for almost about four years. I've been out of training and I've worked with Aaron for probably just over a year, but I've known Aaron for a while. So I recently quit my job (laughs) with the help of coaching and I'm in a lot different place than I was on the day I quit my job because I didn't have a plan, but I had to get out and I was brave enough to do that with a lot of help, obviously from Aaron, but many other colleagues as well. And I'm here today just to get people's, um, you know, if you're in the same situation or ever have been, get your opinion on, on anything really. And uh, right now I'm actually looking at two different opportunities, which sort of just came from pausing and, and finding out what I really want to do. So that's why I'm here is just to get your all support and your feedback on, on burnout and what you learned from it and the great opportunity you found yourself in when you finally just said no. 
Well, I'll go because I think her uh, story is similar to mine. And I am a pediatrician, Army physician as well, just retired from the Army on June 1st. Um, I spent the last 12 years working in private practice, taking care of kids and adults with ADHD, autism, learning disabilities, mood disorders, that kind of stuff. Was feeling very burned out and also feeling like I wasn't having the impact I needed to have because um, I had a multidisciplinary clinic um, and we were offering behavioral therapy in addition to medical care, but really wasn't connecting. There was a lot of non-compliance and I wasn't really sure what that was about. So I had decided that I was going to move into coaching because I found that people were coming in for medication visits every month, but I was coaching. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, oh, your Adderall is working. Okay, cool. And then the le- next 20 minutes was really dealing with what they were going through environmentally in their homes with, you know, schools. And then I had decided I was going to keep my practice, but I was going to move into coaching. And then I got hit with a imposter provider. One of my behavioral health providers was not who she said she was. And very, very long story short, my practice, I wound up closing it because of army issues with resources. But then right after I closed my practice, I've been hit with all kinds of malpractice claims, not against me, but against one of my employees. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I really thought about it, I thought, you know, this, this job of being a physician is thankless. We put a lot of ourselves, or I'll speak for myself, I put a lot of myself into the work that I was doing, even at the expense of my, my own family and my own health. And then after all of that, for patients who I bent over backwards for, for them to kind of include me on some of these lawsuits when I didn't do anything but help them, you know, and, and it was crazy because they would, in their complaints and their lawsuits would say, you know, th- this doctor was great. But since she owned the practice, we're including her. And I just thought, you know what? This is not what I was meant to do. And this is not how I was meant to help people. So I'm pretty much done with medicine. And so what I'm doing now, I just kind of opened a health consulting and coaching practice. And so still working with the same population to to a degree through health consulting I'm still trying to share my expertise with ADHD and autism to help those families get connected and navigate the services, but really trying to move into coaching to provide, just to help people find kind of like what Erin is doing, find their happy. So anyway, so I'm here because I was really intrigued by Erin being a coach for healthcare providers because, you know, we need it, but also wanted to just kind of understand how you approach this happy thing got hit with the real fucking imposter syndrome. (laughs) Holy shit. And secondly, I need to connect you with a coach who specializes in finding life through when you're going through litigation. So we'll talk after this. Um, She's a great resource to how to how to keep it all together and knowing that you don't have to keep. So anyway, I'll I'll connect you afterwards because it sounds like you guys need to talk. Thank you. Let's set the rules for this and, and then let's get rocking. So like I mentioned, I am recording the first part of this presentation and then I will turn it off and then we can do real talk and none of that will ever be recorded ever and ever. Amen. And this is kind of like Fight Club. What's said in Fight Club stays in Fight Club. And we're all over the U.S. So it's not like we're going to bump into each other and you'd be like, psst, 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 what Wiseman talk about? So 
I just want to caveat that and I will tell you when the video comes off so you feel like you can put, peel off the layers. And in this safe space, I want to be able to hold others and ourselves in love and compassion. And so one of the ways that I do this for myself, because I'm really fiery and I tend to have things just fall out of my mouth at times, is through statements that, to remind myself. So I stole this from my tapping colleagues, but what I want you to do is uh, repeat after me. And if you're on mute, that's fine. Or if you want to take yourself off mute and we can talk it all together, that's fine as well. But the statement is going to be something along the lines is you're going to have to fill in two spots. So it's even though I feel, and then you pop in a feeling statement, however that is, because whatever is going on in your head, why you're feeling something, I love and accept others in the Zoom meeting. So the example for myself, and I'm going to go ahead and say something, and everybody can, you can repeat after me, or you can put your own words in here, is even though I feel awkward because I'm doing this call on a Sunday in my swimsuit, I love and accept others on this Zoom call today. Even though I feel alone at times here in Southern Indiana, I love and accept myself. All right, so you get the, exa the example. So it's the I feel, stick in your feeling statement, and then why you feel that way. And then we're going to finish it off with I love and accept others, and I love and accept myself. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Even though I feel blank, tired because I work a lot, <laughs> I love and accept myself in this space today. I do. I love myself. Yay. Good. Next one, let's do it for others. Even though I feel awkward because I'm in a crazy Zoom meeting or because whatever your reason is, I love and accept others right. in this Zoom call. Awesome. All right. We got three objectives we're going to get through today. So this first one is why we get ourselves stuck. Anybody got any ideas on why the hell we've gotten ourselves stuck in our situations that we're at? And maybe it might be personal or you can generalize it. I say fear of the unknown because we're doctors and we put everybody before ourselves and all of the heartbeats we're in charge of before us. Mm -hmm. I would say it's just the imposter syndrome. I'm never going to be good enough as so-and-so or do it the best way like so-and-so. She's a bomb ass dermatologist. Why else? Why else do you think that you've gotten stuck in your life? And you can answer in the chat box too. I'm watching it as well. I think you haven't figured out what you want to do yet. I think you don't know what the next step is. Could that be even sometimes we get stuck because we don't give ourselves permission to even look what the next step, step is? I think I've given personally, you know, plenty of permission. I, I mean, I somehow I think as doctors, you know, there's a good amount of doctors that still were able to keep all their hobbies and their second life outside of medicine. And there's a good part of doctors that weren't able to, whether it was just the, the, the grueling part of, you know, training, whether, you know, if it was like an easier training, like I'm a, I'm a urologist, it was like surgical training. So it was a little bit, you know, more demanding in some ways and longer. So I think it kind of erases a little bit of your kind of outside of medicine, like likings and hobbies and things like that. Even when you keep some, I think you, you lose some of that through training, you know, and I, Salute the people that don't, but def definitely there's a, a good amount of us that like lose that. And then you're in a situation where you may feel burnout and then, you know, you don't know what the next step is. And, you know, I've listened to some coaches and things before and said, 
well, you have to figure out what's important to you, what do you like, and what is your passion. And it's kind of sometimes hard to figure it out. What is it? And then, well, how do you get to step B from knowing what your passion is? And could it be successful? You know, I think there's a fear like, well, could I do it? I don't know. That's sort of what I think about why we get stuck. Like, well, what do we do now? You know? Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, medical training and medical life is not real life. We get set on these railroad tracks that it's like you go to med school, then you go to residency, and then you go to fellowship. And, like, it's all planned out. And, like, this is the railroad track. Stay on the tracks. The tracks are your friend. Until you realize that the motherfucking tracks are not making you happy. And so I feel like in my life why I got stuck was because the tracks were supposed to be fulfilling, but the only people that they were fulfilling is the administrators or the demanding patients or whatever, me fitting within their box. And it really is scary to be like, is this thing within me what I want to do? I actually get paid to do that in the world, right? Like finding what, like you said, that what that passion is and then being like, is that going to put money in the bank account if I can do that? It is. And it's a huge leap of faith. And it's what I love helping people do, Diana. So I'm so excited you're here because hopefully we can make like a little bit of progress forward for you on that. What else? So I was just going to say, I think especially as physicians, we get stuck because we are used to doing what we're told to do. Mm-hmm. It's just the culture of you just, you know, you follow the plan that someone else has established for you and you just get stuck in that following somebody else's plan. Mm-hmm. I think one logistic is just like student loans. Like we all take a lot of loans on and then it's just really hard to abandon because um, you're not sure if you're going to be able to make enough to pay back your loans in another field or doing something else. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say it's a combination of a lot of things that people have already said, the fear of the unknown and the the imposter syndrome, but I also feel like for me, there's been a lot of guilt about my partners. It's a lot of guilt about my patients, you know, trying to make that next step and make that next move. And that, it kind of keeps you down. It keeps you from moving ahead or wondering if what you have next coming up next, if you, if what you have now is better and maybe you should, you're being not appreciative or not, you know, not looking at it the right way that you're making the right decision to move on. Mm, That physician guilt that they get us in. Mm -hmm. That is for sure in there. Well, I want to break it down into three parts on why I think that we get stuck. And I want to put out there, I think we as an individual are only one third of the problem. So this is a very colorful, Wiseman made diagram based off of the Stanford model for physician well-being. I can't remember the right name, but anyway, just Google wellness Stanford model and you'll find the official version, but this is my colorful version. And where I think we get stuck is because our well-being, our job satisfaction, and only one circle is it personal, is that for which we have control over. And in that circle of personal, it is Are you doing the things you need to do for yourself as far as keeping yourself healthy, keeping yourself whole? Are you fulfilling your passion? Are you doing the work that you love and what you want to do and that you were in that that situation, like that you trained to that level or location or whatever? But what I want to show, too, is that we get stuck 
because of those two other circles as well. So it's the culture of medicine. And we've mentioned this a few times, the railroad tracks, the not being able to say no to anyone, productivity over our own well-being, um, the hidden curriculum of medicine, which is, you guys know, it's the stuff that wasn't evidently a learning objective, but you learned like you better be on your deathbed before you call in or... Let's see, what's another good one? Anybody else? I'm trying to think of some on the top of my head, some of the hidden curriculum I learned. Oh, you don't cry in front of patients. That was one I learned. Anything else come top of mind for people of kind of our medical culture that's like unwritten rules? Sleep is for the weak. That mm-hmm. kind of thought. I would say that, you know, especially women in medicine, we like to be in charge of our personal life and our families and our friends and our gatherings. You know, that's it's almost like we're we're not supposed to be in charge of that. And if we want to take time to do that, we're somehow weaker. Yeah. So all the hidden messages. One way that I talk to hospital administrators about this is, I see that you have your mission statement on the wall right here, but is it actually walking through your hallways? You know, are you living out that we are an organization that helps the helps heal the sick and wounded? Because I guarantee there's a bunch of employees walking around that are sick and wounded. Another person wrote in and said for them, not supposed to take a lot of time off is part of that culture of hidden curriculum. All right. And then the other thing, too, that I think contributes to why we get stuck is that system in which we swim in every single day. So it's the immediate office, hospital, those touch points for which you are in. And it's that inefficiency of those systems, right now that are keeping us stuck and keeping us in burnout. If it's that you're an employed physician and you're not able to delegate who your nurse even is, or if it's that you have to do yet another PA on medication for a patient that you know that they need, but you got to fill out the five-page form and then have a peer-to-peer call on it. What's some other things that people can think of that is like in their immediate pool that they swim in on a regular basis that inhibits you and stops you. I can't believe nobody said EMRs, <laughs> right? In my circumstance, I have um, just no authority on who can be hired or fired or reprimanded on, you know, for, for poor productivity on my nursing team. Mm-hmm. 100%. I totally have to you know, in the job that I'm leaving, it's, you know, a rude receptionist, which ultimately can lead to loss of patients. And when the system is telling you, like, you eat what you kill, and you don't even get a chance at a patient, but they're not going to do anything about your rude receptionist, no matter how much you're screaming about it, you get, you know, stuck with why aren't you productive? Well, a lot of patients don't want to come here because everybody's rude to them. And that probably has some, that, that's probably an underlying issue as well. Why is the staff so unhappy here that they feel like they need to be rude to patients? I want you to think about this model and, and the things that you can control in those different spheres and maybe recognize that you have permission to not hold all the reasons why you feel stuck. All right, number two. How are we going to get unstuck in this? I'm going to present my two best ways that you must do today. This is going to be your homework takeaway to help yourself move forward in this. So one of them, I already emailed all of you. Everybody get the email with the wheel of life attached to it. Give me a wave or a thumbs up if you got it. 
bonus points, extra margaritas if you did it already too. <laughs> if you have been following me for any length of time, you know that I freaking love the Wheel of Life, and here's why. So when I was doing that Google search about how do I change my CV to a resume, finding lots of other people, um, finding some physician coaches, I, I talked to one before, and I was like, yeah, he don't fit me. And like, so then I tried like to DIY my way through this and figure out what to do. And so I bought an online course with a doctor and I started working through it. And one of the first activities in that course was the Wheel of Life. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Because to me at that time, everything felt horrible. I was so dissatisfied that I thought everything was. But then as I started like breaking down the wedges, what I realized is that my career was spewing toxicity into my other areas of life. And what it also showed me too is maybe I couldn't quote unquote fix my career at that point, but there were other things that I could fix in my life that would increase my satisfaction and therefore make my life feel more breathable. One of them was friends. 2014, I had just gotten out of residency. I had just moved to a new area. It was close to where my husband grew up, not where I grew up. So I didn't, I, the people I knew were like through his family type of things. And what I realized is like, I got to up my friend game here. I need those people in my life, those type of relationships. And so then I started like actively calling old friends or trying to meet new friends. And then when I found one who I clicked I put myself on a limb and was like, I want to be your friend. I remember telling her this and her kind of looking at me and being, she told me, she was like, Aaron, we're already friends. And I was like, I just want to make sure because like you are my people and I want you in my life. And so I love the real wheel of life for that reason. So the middle of it, if you didn't get it or didn't understand the directions, the middle is zero. The outer edge is 10. And you rank how satisfied are you in those different wedges of life. Anybody want to share how their wheel of life went or any aha moments off of it? I had kind of an interesting one. I do. I feel like I do a lot in personal development. However, the rest of my wheel didn't fit that because if you're really working on personal development, I feel like the rest of it should be rather even. So that was kind of my aha moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's coming though too. Anybody else? I mean, for me, like the only thing that went out even close to the edge of the circle, which, you know, family is one of them, obviously, but I think as I'm making this transition, I mean, my parents are where I live, but my sister is towards the direction where I'm looking to go and they would follow. So it would actually be even maybe off the chart. So other than family and finances, I mean, have a good job. The rest of it was not real. It wasn't really leaving the center, which I guess for me just verified that I probably have made the right decision. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm sorry, my daughter's in the background, but um, I realized that I just don't do anything that's fun at all. Like, and I know we're in a pandemic and like we've canceled trips, but I just, like my fun is kind of more like personal development. Like it's fun to go for a run. You know, like I feel like at least in residency, my co-residents kind of forced me to do something fun. Like they'd be like, oh, we're doing a happy hour. You have to come. But that doesn't really happen as an attending. Like I don't have that network with my, like I like the people I work with, but it's just not really 
the same. And so I don't know how to fill that void either. And I guess maybe it comes down to like friends and your, you know, in your network, but all of my friends have moved on and live thousands of miles away. So it's just, it's hard. And the cool thing is with the wheel of life, the goal is not to get everything to 10. The wheel of life is simply to bring up awareness to be like, oh, hell, I'm not doing so good in that section. Or being like, oh, actually, I think I'm doing a little bit better than how this feels. And what it is, it's kind of like taking the vitals on a patient to kind of know, are we tachycardic? Are we bradycardic? Is our blood pressure like strokey up in that area? And so that then you can make some adjustments. And it's not about, like I said, pushing everything out to a 10 because, girl, you're going to burn yourself out if that's the goal with it all. But it's to gain the awareness of like, where are the things I need to start working on? And why is this this number? No judgment, but just asking yourself, why is fun a one in my life? And realistically, what would I want to get fun up to? Maybe a four? You know, and that's okay. But just having that assessment and awareness to where you're at. Okay, so if you didn't do the homework, this is going to be homework. I will send it out in a post masterclass. Do it again. I encourage my clients and my people to do this every six months to kind of keep checking in. And then you have like serial wheels of life to be like, huh, okay, following those kind of patterns. Because I actually still have my wheel of life from 2014. I love to get it out and like put it next to like 15 and then 16 and then 17. And it's amazing too, that even though I know my wheel in 2020 is different, there's still areas where I'm, my satisfaction has definitely increased, but now it's almost like my wheel needs to be like from zero to 20 because I've bumped up those levels enough now so there's still fluctuation and all and your wheel you're not doing it wrong let's just put it that way all right here is my second one and this one takes a little a bit of explaining to to come to so has anybody read this book untamed with glennon doyle shake your head if you have anybody not yet (laughs) okay you need to go on amazon today and you need to buy it along with my book but you need to buy this one for sure as well in, in addition to the Dr. Me First book. I started reading this book this week. This week It was like a Wednesday. And I just like hammered through this. But I was already thinking and hearing and like living so many things that she talks about in the book. But what I want to read you, uh, and that comes, and so your homework is going to come from this, the question of it. So page 68 in the book, she is talking about when we get locked into like right or wrong, or when we get locked into this is how it has to be, this is how it should be. And she talks a little bit about women who have written to her um, over the years and how important it is to get to the point of when something inside of you whispers, not this. And I circled it great big in the book because I was like, oh my God. I remember that whisper of not yet or not this back in 2014, 2013, all all that kind of stuff. And she talks about that the not yet is how we move from feeling discontented to creating new lives in new worlds. And, And she talks about this in a way about that we have to bring like imagination back into our life and we have to activate our imaginations. And the question she asked, so instead of asking ourselves what's right or wrong, we must ask ourselves what is true and beautiful? 
What is the truest, most beautiful story about our lives that we can imagine and then chase it? And so with the mouth here, that to me, the, with the pink lips, that is, Aaron, go to med school, check, get married, check, kid, check, dog, check, white pick a fence, check, house and a mortgage, check, minivan, check. That was the story of my life that I thought I should be living. But when I started asking my question, myself that question too, like, and this, it was a different question, but I love how she phrased it. What is the truest, most beautiful story about your life that you can imagine? That's when it became the purple lipstick and me spouting out and talking about all the things that were in my heart. But I felt like a good doctor doesn't talk about that. A good doctor doesn't drop F-bombs, even though in my head I was saying them every other sentence. A good Christian mom always volunteers for bake sales, even though she doesn't have enough fucking time to make cupcakes. And when I stopped holding on to that story and I started saying, what would be the best story that I could live? The best story for me is being on a webinar on a Sunday afternoon in my swimsuit, hanging to amazing 20-some-odd physician females who get me. That's my truest and best story. And so the exercise I want you guys to do, and again, I'll write it down, is what is your heart yearning for? What is the story that you want to be able to tell years from now that isn't your storyline today? Because that will give you some direction on where you need to be going. Even though it may feel super big, even though it may feel totally crazy, even though it is 180 degrees in the other direction from what you are doing now, what, what is your new story that you're going towards that lives in your heart and is just so desiring to pop out? Okay, so that's homework number two. So I'm saying if you do the wheel of life and you do this introspection of what is the most true and beautiful story about my life that I can imagine, you will be on your way to figuring out how to get unstuck. Cool? All right. And then real steps moving forward. So once we get those ideas, once we kind of know where our North Store is going, newsflash, there's no one who can tell you how to get there. There's a lot of people on the internet who tell you how you can make six figures doing basket weaving out of these organic grasses from Minnesota, right? Right. I mean, there's people who say that they are an expert, but what I want to challenge you is that no one is an expert on you. You are an expert on you. And so the thing that you really want to do, the path you really want to take, you can have that. And it's going to take some time to figure out like what that is. It was like the first time I was in business and I was like, how do I set up a PayPal account? I don't know how to do this. But what I'll say is you guys are brilliant women. If my best friend who is a blonde bombshell who runs her own hairstyling shop, can figure out how to run a business, you can figure out how to run a business. If some 13-year-old kid can figure out how to put a podcast up and get a million listeners, you can freaking do a podcast. If the guy who made the pool noodle makes about $7 million in royalty a year, the thing you're thinking about doing, you can do that too. But it's all about first and foremost, getting clear on what you want. And two, which is what we're going to, you know, what I want to encourage you to do is the three C's. So it's having courage. 
That's the first C. And it is scary to take the jump, absolutely. But what I wanna show you and tell you is that if it is in you, it is meant to be there. And there are other women, there are other people, men as well, who can help give you courage and what you wanna do is not crazy and how you can move forward in that. Two, confidence is the next C. Borrow confidence. It's amazing how you can sit and talk with people and you know, you kind of feel that like bubbling up with you like, oh, if she can do it, I can do it type of thing. Confidence is a muscle. You have to work it and yours might be a little bit atrophied right now, but we will get it pumped up to CrossFit style. Guarantee that. And then number three is that clarity piece with those two exercises we just talked about. So I'm getting close on time and I want us to be able to talk a bunch. So let's talk about real steps forward and then I'll turn off the recording and we'll talk. So real steps forward with me. I'm going to give you my top three, but as I'm talking, I want you guys to think about too, what, what are ways that in the past has helped you to take real steps forward, real actionable steps? So again, having courage, having confidence, getting clarity, I think is super important. Number one is knowing or is starting today not tomorrow not a year from now not when my kid turns 18 not when we have x amount of dollars in the, the bank not when my partner quits or that nurse quits or when the hospital starting today and that's first starts in your head to say i am going to do this i'm going to change my life i am going to work towards being happy and joy filled and not being so burned out that i want to get hit by a truck on my way to work that was me, by the way. Two, bringing loving, kind accountability to your life. You are not alone. You don't have to go this alone. So finding that accountability that you can bring into your life that surrounds you with love and kindness as you make this transition is so very important because there is a shit ton of naysayers out there. But guess what? They don't get an opinion in your life because they're not your accountability. But you need to set up who that accountability is going to be to you. And number three, start scared. You're never not going to be scared. I'll be perfectly honest. We all have different levels of risk tolerance. If you can be like my oldest kid and he can't go outside without knowing the weather, what type of clothes he needs to wear, and if it's, he's going to need to have an umbrella later in the day. His risk aversion is pretty high versus my daughter who's like, let's go. She may be naked, but she is like, we're going outside. It doesn't even matter what happens. So figuring out what your risk aversion is and just knowing that you're never not going to be scared, but figuring out what is the percentage of scared that you can tolerate to move forward and how to get you to that level as well. All right, before we start talking, I do wanna talk about if you want more Aaron Wiseman SAS in your life is my new course that's coming out. It's called Burned Out to Badass. It's a 13 week course that you get to hang out with me and other people. You get all this Aaron Wiseman SAS onto the course. You can go through all the modules as fast as you can or you can work through it over those 13 weeks as a group. What you think? Did you like it? I bring the sass. I also bring a lot of truth, encouragement. I like to hold your hand, be the shoulder you cry on, and then also be a little bit of a pusher and give you a kind of a kick in the ass to get you moving forward. So that's it. That's how I like running groups. 
and I would be so elated if you would join me in my next one. What's opened right now is the Burned Out to Badass group course. So we'll each week be working through a module, 13 weeks long, 13 separate conversations, lucky 13. So come and join us. All right, and remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Don't